Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to the Modernizer Die Podcast, the CFML News Edition. It's March 17th, 2020, and we both get pinched because we're not wearing green for St. Patty's Day. Oh, dang it. I've been so concerned with coronavirus, I didn't even remember it was St. Patrick's Day. We're the only podcast who hasn't died yet. We're still alive. <laughs> yeah, but we've got the... the current. Uh, yeah, wait wait but- a minute. Do, do our green screens not count, even though they don't look green to our viewers? I guess they do, so we're off the hook. We both have a wall of green behind us in real life. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm Gavin Pickens, software consultant for Order Solutions, and you are Brad Wood. I'm Brad Wood. I'm in the remaining coronavirus member of my family who hasn't died. Um, I don't know what I do at Ordis, Gavin. All I know is I'm alive and I'm here. Yeah. Well, I have influenza A, not <laughs> coronavirus. Thankfully. You have the partial plague, not the full plague. Yeah, exactly. I uh, a little scared when the urgent care called up to say they had results because like, uh oh. Um, but yeah. So obviously that's big news for everybody else. We're going to try and uh, give you some other news, some other things to be uh, thinking about and take your mind off things. So uh, mm-hmm. first, we just want to thank our sponsor, Order Solutions, uh, and so. One of the things Auto Solutions does is do trainings, and one of the best things about Auto Solutions is we do online trainings. So at a time like this, we can't obviously go on site and do trainings with uh, our usual customers, but we do offer uh, online trainings as well. So I know you do quite a lot of those, Brad. I do do. Uh, I I said do do. Um, <laughs> <coughs> sorry. I uh, it is true. I do a lot of the uh, the virtual online trainings we do at Ortis. And a lot of times just for teams that don't want to uh, pay the extra for travel or they want to be able to work it better into their schedules. Or sometimes I do it with remote teams that it would be like physically impossible for us all to get together because they all work remotely in the first place. So uh, we do it via, you know, Zoom, distribute the uh, materials uh, via digital means, PDF, and then we just use screen share and we, we learn all the same stuff. It's not quite as fun as being in a physical classroom, but we do it a lot and it works really well. So, yeah. And obviously we offer a lot of things and, uh, you know, the big thing is get trained by the actual makers of cold box, command box, test box, content box, and all the other box products. So, uh, yeah. So we have a lot of great, uh, materials online. And, uh, if you guys are looking for online training, uh, think of Aldous. Uh, we can definitely help you with that. And uh, we even do like intro cold fusion training too. So we have materials for that as well. So, Thank you, Order Solutions, for, for sponsoring this podcast and making it a, a possibility. And we also want to thank the Patreon supporters. We're at 39% of our mark for being fully funded on the Modernizer Die podcast. So uh, all of your help there is greatly appreciated. And we have a blog post out on the Order Solutions saying we need your help, talking about uh, what the Patreon support does and how it helps and, uh, and how you can help us as well. So thank you to Patreon supporters for making this possible. Okay, so let's get into the news and events. So, Speaking of news, this just in. Just, just James in. Wilberg is talking about a new uh, release. Oh, look, right here it is on Twitter 12 minutes ago. Yep. Dang, breaking news, folks. You heard it here first. Well, maybe on uh, <laughs> on Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the big thing is, is that um, 
CF 2018 and 2016 have updates, and there is no security patch for CF 11, but there is a actual uh, a guide in the knowledge base on how to do that yourself, since it's no longer under support. So we're going to add that to the show notes along with the the normal uh, updates. But it does uh, have security vulnerability fixes. Um, the updates for are also available in Docker as well. And so that's Cold Fusion 2018 release update eight and update 14 for 2016. So this also means I need to go holler at John Clauston uh, if he hasn't already seen it and been like time for some new forge box engines. Yep. Get these babies in the command box. Yep. Unfortunately, so, this is not automated like Lucy is. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So uh, those updates just came out. So definitely check them out if you're on it. There's a security update, and that is APSB 20-16. Uh, James Moberg just said, hopefully it fixes the same site cookie bug. Uh, hopefully. I'm not same sure Same site yet. cookies. Didn't you just put the ticket in for the same site cookies like just a week ago, James? Oh, wait, <laughs> no, it was years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. So, um, next on our list, um, obviously the, the COVID-19 or coronavirus is affecting cold fusion conferences. So for those of you who missed it, Adobe CF Summit East has been canceled along with the certification program that Adobe was offering, uh, after the conference and then Audis's pre-conference workshop has been canceled too. Um, into the box is being reevaluated right now. Um, we're working on, um, basically what our options are given the current situation and we're looking at uh, making a full announcement with the, the new setup. So uh, we're going to be offering this content online, if not possible in person. And obviously the further things go, it looks like the online version will be the way we'll be moving, but we'll have all the information there for you very soon. So uh, we'll be updating uh, and giving you that as soon as we can. So hopefully by next week we should have more information. Um, yeah. Things are a little crazy, but uh, we also saw something <laughs> up on Slack. Um, so Michael Nat, is it? Um, yeah. Basically about CF Camp um, that they're planning on October, November, but with the current situation, they can't get you know they can't proceed with any planning. Uh, so at the problem time, is he's he basically has to get into some hard costs that he can't get back like right now without really knowing what it's going to look like. Um, yeah. So his original date of like, you know, May or something is now, I think, falling inside of that window of the recommended, like, you shouldn't meet with 50 people or more or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's hard for him to, to say with certainty that even in the, by the end of the year that things won't still be a little crazy. So, yeah, I know they said they were happy that they didn't do it in May because it would have been a big miss. But I know that, you know. Yeah like they need liability insurance and all this stuff. And right now no one's willing to do anything about anything. So, um, <laughs> so basically, uh, Adobe's CF summit in Vegas, they, we had dates that were released, but, um, they haven't confirmed them. They haven't actually made an official release because of all of this as well. So basically all online conferences might go ahead or in-person conferences at this point are basically waiting for more information. So, just so you know but in that with that being said there's a bazillion webinars coming up so today tuesday march 17th uh since we can't go out and celebrate some patty's day uh like we usually do uh yeah, john Ferrar, parade's canceled here in kansas city oh yeah wow 
Yeah. yeah, I know that they're shutting down um, bars and nightclubs and everything in, in California and a lot of different things going on. But so John Farrar is actually having a webinar today at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, and it's titled Cold Fusion Community Education 2020 and Beyond. So basically, it's a webinar talking about all the different technology and things are changing and sort of trying to figure out what we should do as a community to, uh, you know, keep up to date and move forward. So he's got some ideas and wants some feedback and to get people together to try and, uh, you know, set up a, a community education platform for Confusion. So that is tonight, uh, March 17th. I'm going to put the show, uh, the link into into the chat here as well and we'll try and get these show notes out as soon as possible for those who want to attend um but i think if you go to so sensible so so sensible dot web webinar ninja dot com uh, <laughs> you should be able to find him uh, he's also on the facebook webinar groups and ninja. he's online on twitter as well so the next one up is the seattle coffee news group is going online too crazy people March 18th, so that's basically tomorrow. Yep. 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. It's like they're going to define their... Yeah, Pacific time. <clears throat> it's a specific time, Gavin. <laughs> uh, they're uh, defining their goals and objectives for 2020 user groups. So they'll be looking for ideas, volunteers, and presenters. So if you live in the Seattle area... Then it's all online, though. So you can True. contribute. <laughs> if you live yeah. anywhere with an internet connection, you exactly. too can live in the Seattle area. <laughs> Yep. So the meetup group um, has a Zoom link to be able to, to go check th check that out. So if you guys are interested in, you know, joining another Call Fusion user group, now is the time as it's all online. Um, but we also have a webinar uh, on Thursday. So we're a busy week this week. Um, so the Adobe uh, with Carisoft are putting on uh, Adobe webinar with. It's Adobe Cold Fusion and the next for the next decade, all about the buzzworthy Cold Fusion 2020 by Rex Sheaf. So we're doing an online presentation. So I think it's based on the one he did, uh, I think in January, but he's probably going to release a little more information about um, things in the the alpha. The and so if you guys are on the pre-release program, you would have seen some of this already. But if you haven't, if you're not on it. Uh, I would definitely check it out. There's some interesting things there. Uh, and the, a lot of people at the roadshows had questions about things. So this will go into more detail. So that is going to be Thursday, March 19th, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time. And it's going to be online. And there's a link I'll post for this. So you guys can register for that webinar. So that's three in three days. We're pretty busy this week. Well, and nobody then, else has anything else to do since they're all working from home now, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I heard the Best Buy here in my town had a huge line before they opened the day. And someone commented on Facebook that it was probably people all there to get work from home equipment. Yeah, I'm sure that and a few movies. Um. <laughs> that and a few movies. Do they even sell movies anymore? I'm not sure. Probably do. What do you, what do you think you do when you work from home, Gavin? I know, exactly. Um, so Adobe has another webinar coming up, Microservices, Architecture, Trends, and Challenges. So this is Alicia Dvorak. And that's going to be March 29th at 9 a.m. Pacific. And so this is actually a session. I believe she did it um, at the the Dev Week up in Oakland. So there's a big festival Dev, Dev Week or something. Um, I know that they attended and she said it was got good feedback. Uh, and so she presented that in the, um, and basically microservices, architecture challenges. And so that one will be available on March 25th. 
And the Infusion Reactor has one on the same day, um, a few hours later. It's just like the year of the webinar. Yep. So Fusion Reactor is going to do installing Fusion Reactor Dynamic. Oh, sorry, in dynamic environments. In dynamic environments, yeah. So are you going to be joining them for that one to correct them and add some more information? <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, Mikey Fluid had actually told me I could I could join him on one of those if I wanted to. Uh, but I told him I thought he would do a good job. But, yeah, I'll, I'll probably give him some pointers. Um, the last, you know, blog post the Fusion Raptor guys put out, they actually asked me to proofread it first, which I appreciated. I gave him some tweaks. You know, everything was right, but sometimes there's little shortcuts like, oh, you can actually do this in a single command if you use this flag and stuff. But I'm, I'm super stoked to see <clears throat> the Fusion Reactor guys um, just talking more about Command Box and how to use it and how to install on it. And one of the reasons, at least from my understanding, um, is that the Fusion Reactor guys and their own internal metrics have been seeing a big jump in Command Box usage within their Fusion Reactor uh, user base, which I think is awesome. So... Uh, more people out there are using Fusion Reactor on Command Box, and so they're focusing on it. And so I'm just uh, crazy excited about that. Yeah, very cool. So we'll post the link in here. Now that my chat window is actually working again, I can do that. The first few didn't do that properly. Sorry. So yeah, and then after that, Autis has a webinar. So Michael Bourne and the CB Elasticsearch webinar will be March 27th at 11 a.m. Eastern. Jeez, we're Watch such copycats. Me. Everyone else does a webinar. Ooh, we'll do a webinar too. Hey, we started it. <laughs> <laughs> we started it. So yeah, why did so, we list ourselves last? I'm doing them in date order, so you can see what's <clears throat> coming up in no oh, order. Okay, so, yeah, okay. Trying to be useful here. <laughs> often, so, often imitated, never duplicated, or something, right? Yeah. So yeah. So the CB Elasticsearch. Uh, if you guys are doing any type of uh, like queries um you pretty much could benefit from Elasticsearch. search uh, and gavin says doing like queries he's not talking valley girl he means <laughs> queries where you use the like keyword in sql sorry that's very good full, way to be full text words. searches yeah exactly <laughs> you know i do like queries all the time like gavin yeah i know what you mean like prayer <laughs> yeah so um elastic search is a great tool we're using with a lot of customers and it's really powerful very quick very performant um, so definitely think that's worth checking out. So go check that out. Uh, more information can be found at autosolutions.com slash events slash webinar. And you can sign up for the webinar there and get reminders and <coughs> email um, calendar information, et cetera. Yeah. So. We do a lot of Elasticsearch stuff at Ortis, mostly for our clients, clients that have just all sorts of uh, complex sets of data they want to be able to search across and have like, like super fast, features where people go in and run searches and they pull stuff up yeah. um, and it, it works, it works really good. But I, I say that to mean that people like Michael or have a lot of experience with Elasticsearch. So yep. it should be, um, be pretty good. And he's going to be leading the the workshop on, on that now with into the box. We'll see how that goes down, but he was the one supposed to be leading that workshop too. One way or another. Yeah. One way or the other, we'll get them to you for sure. And then another Adobe webinar, this one is Journey Through the Adobe, Adobe Cold Fusion Performance Monitoring Tool. Mm. So Alicia is doing that on April 9th, um, and that's going to be 11 a.m. Pacific. And it's all about demos, no slides. No slides, Start wow. to finish getting through you it. You know I'm all about that demos, the demos, no slides. It all kind of works. We can do that. <laughs> Yep, and so they have some simulations um, to sort of, you know, basically hit different performance um, points, and then you can look at them in the performance monitoring tool itself, see how it looks, see how it works, and then um, those of you... Do are, you know if the performance monitoring tool, the PMT, or 
Pumped has actually changed significantly since it first came out. I do not know. I know that they're talking about doing some updates, but I don't know when or you know if that actually got completed. So interesting. Um, I honestly never used the stupid thing because when it came out, it didn't work on command box and I reported it. And I think like a year later, it still didn't work. And I don't even know if it works. I kind of, I lost interest. I never tried it again because it took so long for it to get fixed. Yeah. Um, so I never really got into it. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know if they've actually really been like changing it or if this is just kind of reviewing the, the initial features that were there from the beginning. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Maybe you can go ask a question in that webinar. I could, I could maybe try it and see if this darn thing works in command box now. Uh, yep. it, it wasn't even a command box specific issue. It, it didn't work on servlets that had an empty context path. They expected that even uh, the root context would be a forward slash, even though the spec allows you to have an empty string. Um, and so the whole thing <laughs> would just blow up on like a, a string out of bounds error or something and it wouldn't even start. It was, it was quite disappointing. Yeah, sounds, oh, there we go. Weird. Mark says it works for command box. Well, I should try it again. <laughs> I should get back around to installing it and giving it a, Give it a test. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Okay. So uh, anyway, hold on. He just said work in this context just means it'll connect and I can see traffic. He hasn't gone well, yeah, to I mean, depth that, yet. Well, that that's means more the than feature's ninety five percent done, right? Ninety nine percent done. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Rounding error. Uh, <laughs> so darn decimal um, math. Okay, so we're finally done with webinars. There are a lot of great Ooh, ones was a, out there. That was the most webinars we've ever had. Yep, and you know, Audis is trying to do one monthly, and with the current situation, we might even step that up as well. But yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of webinars. So let's get back to some releases. So QB, releases. QB, uh, as you mentioned before, <coughs> Eric uses semantic versioning, so he releases a lot of releases. <laughs> so QB 7.5. <laughs> Or 705, uh, <laughs> 7.5 has been released. And so that has um, been updated. And if you, you look at the actual tag, because it's tagged in the GitHub, um, I think it does some changes. Mainly thank you to um, Sam, Sam Knowlton. Um, add some code for optionally preventing duplicate joins from being added. So if your code has, you know, Query is a DSL, uh, query or builder, sorry, uses a DSL. So you can, you know, build your queries uh, programmatically. And so if you accidentally have uh, two or three joins being done uh, in different code, this will allow it to basically prevent those duplicates from making it through. And That's so, pretty cool. So you you know, I, don't, to, I don't know what all Eric's doing with QB, but I'd say that Sam Knowlton is, is likely one of the people that's put the most QB stuff out in production maybe at this point. I mean, maybe maybe I only say that because he's so vocal, um, but I, it seems like Sam's done quite a bit with QB, which is pretty cool because, I mean, he finds all those little edge cases and it makes it a more solid product for sure. Yeah, and that's why he's going to be presenting uh, <clears throat> about QB into the box. Um, See how so. that works? You start using Ordis products, we make you present on them. So just, you know, fair warning. Yeah, well, it's always good, too, to have somebody else who's using it talk about it because, you know, Audis, we don't want to talk all day. We might do it all day, but we should I do, Gavin. I want to talk all day. Okay. But people just won't listen. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, so, but, yeah, it's good to have community members, you know, presenting their side of things and maybe some challenges and, and whatnot, and you get more of an honest, open, unbiased opinion if it's not coming from the Audis team. So. Unbiased. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Okay. <laughs> Also, um, with the, the command box five releases that we had, Luis has gone through and been working on the command box 
and content box docker images along with john clausen who did a lot of great work in in those and so content box docker image 5.0.0 is released so, so it's kind of confusing that we have like multiple things all hitting 5.0 but i'm pretty certain it's just a coincidence right yeah, and that's the thing is, so he, we basically updated the, the versioning of the, the Docker images so that they make more sense. Um, but yeah, so content box Docker image five is using content, uh, content box 4.x. <laughs> Docker two point, well, I guess it's now five, but it was also using command box five. So anyway, he's done a lot of work. Wait, what um, if we added all the version numbers together? It is whatever that number added up to. That was the version of the of the Docker image. I don't It'd think there's like, enough bytes. Docker image ten thousand point ninety seven hundred point fifty eight. That would be like the version. Well, at least it would always increment, but yeah. So, you, you didn't even add in like what the default Lucy version would be. What the default cold box version is inside a content box so many versions of things it gets yep. it gets really tricky to be honest because people when, are like wait a minute what version of the command box has the version of lucy that has the version of the pdf extension and it, it's like a little rabbit trail of versions yeah there we so. go charlie says the pmt has not changed but has indeed changed and has had updates well that's good yeah it has not changed much he said <laughs> Yeah, um, but it, yeah, you can you can case. share the link, Charlie, and it, it should show up as a moderated link. I can approve if it gets blocked by the spam filter. Hopefully. Yeah, we think we added you to the list to allow you to actually get the message in here because before we wouldn't even get an option to approve it. So yeah, thanks you. Google Google knows best. That's spam. Yeah, spam, 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 spam. Okay, everything's Com a Monty Python reference. We also had another release, so you got bored of waiting around with command, uh, command we did. box. Did. Well, I, I just typed this into the show notes as as we were talking. Um, I haven't put out the blog post, uh, partially because I'm a little lazy. I did this at the end of the day yesterday. Um, so I did sneak out a command box 5.0.1 release, uh, really only so it would no longer be the exact same as the Docker image. That's, that's really the only reason. Um, no, not really. So <laughs> um, we uh, there's... One of the big changes um, in Command Box 5.0 that um, I believe uh, John Burquist, I work with so many people on these pull requests, they all start to like merge in my mind, um, that we, we had worked on Command Box 5 lets you take a server start command, which normally goes through like cfconfig and environment variables and installing engines and you know configuring stuff. And then finally, at the end of this process, it starts up the server. Um, you can you can distill all of that down, put it through like a dry run, and generate just a bash file or PowerShell or, or uh, command uh, batch script if you want. That's basically just the server start. It's the end product of all that stuff Command Box does, and that lets you lock in the exact server start, the exact settings, the exact Fusion Reactor version. You know everything that you want. Skips all the dynamic stuff that Command Box does and says, "Boom! Just run the start part." as a shell script. And what you can do is you can actually delete command box at that point in time. You could get rid of command box. All you need is a little run wire jar. It's like 12 megs. Um, and then you can just run your bash script and you can get like a super fast, lightweight server startup. That's even faster than just using command box on its own. And the reason we did that was to be able to like super optimize our Docker images and things of that nature. So when you warm up the Docker images now um, in these latest versions, it will, do like a dry run of the start and it'll lock in all those settings into that shell script and it'll actually wipe command box out of the image. So our image size is down drastically and the startup times in our images are down to just a few seconds. 
because um, there's command boxes basically pulled out of the way. It's used to build the start, and then we lock in that shell script. So it's, it's some really exciting stuff. That's why we have all these Docker image releases because they're using that feature. So as part of that, we noticed a couple additional things to kind of help uh, make those uh, bash scripts start better. And so that resulted in like four, three or four tickets for command box that was like, okay, let's add a little flag for this. And it's like tweak this a bit. So I went ahead and rolled that out as command box 5.0.1. And there's really only like four tickets in it. I'll put it in a blog post probably today. Um, but other than a tab completion pull request that Matthew Clement Clementi sent me for command box, the rest of them are all just some little tweaks related to that uh, ability to turn your server start into a shell script that were really for the sole purpose of being able to bundle them in with the, uh, the Docker images. So that's that latest command box release. Um, if you already had the latest command box 5.0 release, um, you probably don't really care necessarily about it. Really, the, the 5.0.1 release was really just some tweaks for our use inside the Docker containers. Um, but feel free to update if you want. It's it's almost identical. It's the same version of Lucy um, and everything else inside of it. So that's that. Cool. Okay. So next on the list, we have a reminder for State of the CF Union Survey. Please do it. Please share it. Um, it's very important for everybody um, to know a little more about how ColdFusion is used and the tools we're using, especially for people like us who make the tools so we can help make sure we make the right tools and put time and energy into those tools. So, mm -hmm. you know, I reached out to the TerraChat guys this morning to see if I could get a count on how many people have responded, and it looks like they haven't replied yet. Well, I only reached out about an hour ago. Last time they told me there was, there was a, I don't want to say the number because my friends can be wrong, but it was several hundred, I think. Um, well, we'll try to get an update on how many people have responded to that. Um, obviously, we want as many as possible. Very cool. Okay, so next on the list. Oh, by the way, if you're going to do the survey, please make sure you vote for our podcast because we'd like some feedback <laughs> and some support because hopefully you heard about it now, so you should vote for us. Hopefully we're not as bad as Brad. Thanks. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so um, just for, in case you missed it, the Modernizer Die Podcast Conference Edition is now on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. You can get that on the conference.modernizerdie.io website. Um, it has a YouTube playlist as well you can link to from that site. And uh, we released a Michael Bourne uh, workshop episode talking about his workshop, the CB Elasticsearch. And so you can watch that on YouTube now or listen to it via podcast. Um, and that information is still valid. As we said, we've into the box. We're planning on alternative ways to deliver it if the physical is not possible. Uh, it is leaning that way. So we'll have information on how that <coughs> Uh, we can do workshops and sessions online. So uh, definitely check it so, out and see if you'd want to find out more about the workshop. So so Michael Bourne's doing the webinar coming up on Elasticsearch, but he's also doing the end of the box workshop. Mm -hmm. um, so people might be thinking, well, I don't need to go to the workshop because I could just watch the webinar, right? But the webinar is only like 45 minutes, an hour worth of content. So it's kind of like a high level overview, kind of just getting you into it. The workshop is a full day like a deep dive is, is that correct yeah and the the cool thing about the workshop will be is you'll get a starting app and then you're going to add cb elastic search to it so you'll learn how to add indexes and how to actually search um elastic search and then output the results um and you'll have a, a working search app at the end of it so he talks a little bit more about you know 
why he he should be the one teaching it, what you'll learn, what you'll come out of it with, um, some of the prerequisites too, like, do you need to have learned use solar before? The answer is no. You know, CBLS, you search the workshop will take you from zero to hero <laughs> in CBLS search. Uh, but yeah, so he talked about uh, all of that in the little um, podcasts. They're not right, quite perfect. as long as the news ones. Uh, so, you know, you can get a, a bite. But they're every chunk. bit as good, Gavin. Oh, they're probably better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's um, talk about conferences. Um, they're all pretty much on hold. So <laughs> we'll give you back um, more information about Into the Box 2020, but CF Summit canceled. The pre-conference and post-conference for CF Summit East canceled. CF Summit West, we have dates, but they've not been officially confirmed yet because of... Um, probably just legal reasons with the, the virus and update and then CF camp. Um, again, they're, they're basically on hold until they can get more information and see how to proceed there too. They were looking at late October, November, but at this time, nothing is confirmed. Sad, but that is the way it is. So how many of those, if any, are doing virtual online stuff? Well, actually, Adobe did mention that they're planning to have a, a developer week. So those people that were going to present at uh, Adobe CF Summit East will be presenting in a developer week format. So online webinar type format. Um, usually CF developer week, they have one or two sessions a day. Um, so I'm not sure that's what I've heard. Charlie actually mentioned it in his blog post, and we will mention that later in the blog post section. All right. Uh, um, so it's worth noting that the, the in-person format is canceled but it sounds like adobe still plans on getting the training out in a virtual format yeah and if you go to their website um they no longer have the links at the, in the banner to go to the registration pages but if you look at their upcoming events you'll see them listed there still if you click on them they tell tell you that they're basically canceled um and so i think everyone's in a holding pattern until everything sort of settles down um or at least more information's available but i think a lot more stuff's going to go online um like view mastery last weekend actually provided a free weekend so if you want to take any of their courses they're all available free uh, a lot of people are doing similar stuff for school kids you know obviously a lot of kids are their schools are getting closed um so they're going online there's a lot of free services available too and i think a lot of the the online courses are basically giving people either discounted or free um, or short-term free access to some of their courses to try and help with that. And I know people are stepping up with webinars. We could see that already. So I'm sure there'll be lots of great content uh, and we can just do some virtual networking uh, via Zoom rooms. Uh, Autos actually set up a little Zoom room just to hang out with so we don't get too cabin fevered. Zoom room. Yep. Zoom room. There we go. All right. Okay, so let's look at blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So our first one here, and I'm actually going to do some screen sharing for those who are watching. Starts with Ben Nadell. Um, and he's actually been retrofitting Markdown onto 15 years of articles. So Ben's been blogging for a long time, not just recently, but <laughs> a long time. And so he went through the process of using uh, Lucy's HTML pass and then using XPath to uh, basically take those articles that were all stored in HTML in his database and converting them over. And so he's been working on that. So it's kind of an interesting process. I that think. is. And for anyone who's not used, who's not familiar with Lucy's HTML parse function, 
Um, it's actually really handy. I wish that uh, I wish that Adobe had it. Um, it's like XML parse, but XML parse expects like fully compliant XML. It'll it'll puke if you have a missing ending tag or anything like that. HTML parse is does the same thing and get an XML document back, but it has a really like kind of like loosey goosey parser that'll put up with like extra ending divs or you know non self closing br tags and stuff like that. So it's great when you have an HTML document that probably isn't perfectly XML compliant, because um, frankly, who cares about that since 2003? Um, but you still really wish you could get it into an XML document and run XPath on it. So the the HTML parse is a super handy function, and yeah. I've, I've used it myself for parsing through HTML. Yeah, so that's sort of an interesting little walkthrough. I know a lot of people are moving towards Ooh. Markdown stuff as well. Look at this. So uh, Ben always puts the version of Lucy he's using in the blog title, which I don't know that it really matters, but whatever. Um, that way, if he's using a brand new feature, you know. I just noticed he's, he mentioned 53480. Ben's been kind of stuck on like 5.2 or something for a while. Um, I wonder when he jumped to 5.3.4. That's awesome. Yeah, I know he's doing, uh, you mentioned in the blog that his, He's currently doing uh, Adobe for his blog, but he's using Lucy locally to do some of this conversion and everything because he can. He's, he's running Adobe Confusion on his Ben the Dell blog? And that's because it's hosted and one of the hosting companies is oh. providing that licensing for him. So mm. um, I, I don't know if he's using Hostic or Vivio or, or whoever. All right. So there. locally, he probably just spun up Grandbox 5. By yeah. the way, did we talk about the 80 release of Lucy 534? No, it was I don't think we did. I know that that's the one they snuck out, or is it? Yeah. So, so a couple weeks ago, Lucy released um, five dot three dot four dot seventy seven. Um, sorry, I'm trying to pull up the Lucy Dev forum, and I'm I'm failing at typing and talking at the same time. Uh, they released five three four seventy seven. So the last that last number is the build number. Um, as the uh, as the latest stable release of Lucy, here we go. Uh, so February third, yeah. So on February third, they released uh, five three four seventy seven, um, and they had the release notes and everything. Um, and then, like a couple days later, uh, it's probably more like a week or two later. Um, somebody noticed. Uh, actually, I think I noticed because I had my Lucy automation in place that just grabs the new versions and pings me on Slack every time it does it. I saw a 534.80 come across. There was not a snapshot build. It was a, a stable release. You're like, and, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, and the people were like, whoa, what's what's this like .80 build? Is this is this a thing? Um, and apparently it kind of <laughs> snuck out um, and even caught Lucy off guard. Uh, but I guess there's some fixes in there that uh, uh, some kind of regressions that were in the 77 build that, um, that Misha put into the .80 release. So... From what I've seen, Lucy has yet to um, actually officially announce 534.77. Uh, I'm sorry, 534.80 is an <laughs> official release. Uh, but if you look on the download page or if you tell Command Box, start me a 534 version, you will get .80 as the latest stable uh, release of Lucy's. So if, in case you're curious, like, what the heck is this .80? It's a little uh, uh, release that snuck out. And what's even more interesting is there's still some regressions that were present in the .80 build. So there were five more snapshot builds, uh, 85. So 534.85 snapshot is actually the very latest version of 534. But from what I heard actually just yesterday, 
Lucy's not planning on making any more stable 534 releases. So uh, if you're on 534 and you're not ready to go to 535, even though I think that might come out in the next week or two, um, just know that there are some, some significant bug fixes in the 85 build. Uh, the biggest one is a, a compilation issue where Lucy was needlessly recom recompiling files um, and really slowed down applications. Gavin ran into this trying to start up you know, ORM applications that would just take forever to compile everything. Even command box on build 80, if you run the reload command, it would take like 30, 40 seconds. But on up on build 85, it takes like five seconds. Um, so if you're on Lucy 534 and you're on build 80, you might want to test the snapshot build 85. From what I hear, it's not going to be released as stable, but I can confirm it has some major performance improvements. So been a little crazy um, with... <laughs> With Lucy and the five three four releases, but uh, that's the difference between seventy seven eighty and then the the snapshot eighty five builds. So yeah, that should probably I, be put in a blog post somewhere. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Wait, what's going on here?" I'm so confused. But isn't anyway. the five point three point four point eighty the one that we had ORM issues with too? Well, yes. Yeah, so I don't know where it came in. in yeah, in the nature of one step forward and two steps back. Um, there's also been some nasty ORM regressions related to class loading that Sam Knowlton found. But what I'm a little unclear on is exactly what version it started on. Okay. I know that it's present <clears throat> in the 80 build, and he also tested on the latest 535 snapshot. Okay. Um, that ticket has been in Jira for a month. Um, I pointed it out personally to Misha this week and found that he was completely unaware of the ticket. He hadn't even seen it. Um, it was in there marked with the regressions. So, uh, hopefully that'll actually get looked at, but I don't know when that regression started. That could have been in for a while and we just didn't know it. <clears throat> the problem is all of the previous, uh, five thought three versions have had <clears throat> regressions floating around. Sorry. <clears throat> That's what I get for like sleeping in too late this morning. Uh, there's been enough regressions that have kept people like Sam Knowlton or even Ortis away from the latest versions of Lucy. And we've been kind of hanging out on 5.2 for a while. So when we finally drag ourselves up to try the latest release and we hit regression, sometimes we're not sure if they were just introduced or if they've actually been there for a couple versions and we just haven't been tested enough to know them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit iffy. All I can tell you is, is test. <laughs> test a bunch <laughs> and, uh, and see if it works. But, yeah, I, I don't know when that, ORM, when that ORM bug, the class loading issue, was actually introduced. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. I don't, I don't know either. Um, obviously, if you're using ORM, be very careful. Check, test your releases using Command Box before you publish them to production and break everything. Just a little hint there. Yep. Okay. Charlie, I don't see your comment, but then again, I'm logged into YouTube as myself, not as orders, so I don't know if I if I see the moderations. I'm gonna add, well. Do you see Charlie's comment, Gavin? No, I don't see it. I'm trying to find out how to see it. Um. No, it just it usually just shows up as a blocked comment. No, when I switch over to log into YouTube as, as Ortis, Charlie, your comment does not show up. Google has spoken and they've decided your comment is spam and nobody should ever know about it and it should go away and it should die and it will never be posted. Okay, I just added thus Charlie saith, as a moderator. So Charlie, you're now a moderator. Google. Yep, you're now a moderator of our chat, so you should be able to post um, theoretically. So we will see. Sorry about that, Charlie. Yeah, we've, we've been battling it for a while. Uh, we apologize. 
Okay, so back to blog posts, and we have one by Charlie Earhart, and so he's just um, talking about... Speaking of Charlie... Yeah, let's see if Summit <laughs> East has been cancelled, um, and he said it was obviously sad, but he said that we <clears> haven't <throat> heard uh, on Twitter or via the website, well, actually a post, sorry, that if you visit the Summit website, you'll see this announcement here. Um, so basically, they have cancelled it, and he also mentioned that, you know... Um, the certification is um, being canceled as well, but they are planning to do the developer week. So Ooh, Charlie's link came through. <laughs> yeah. So there's not going to be any online version of the certification. Then. Is that correct? That's what it looks like here. <clears throat> um, yeah. So. So it looks, so it sounds like Adobe is going to try to have online versions of the rest of the content, but the certification is just seemingly off the table at this point. Yep. All right. Let's see. And yeah, so basically it talks about, um, you know, the webinar and everything coming up and a few answers, but yep. So thanks Charlie for sharing that, uh, getting the information out there in the callfusion.adobe.com is the portal. And if, if Adobe doesn't post there, we can. And so a lot of the content there is um, doing good. So, all right, cool. Okay, so next Keep on moving. the list, we have one from <clears throat> Matt Clemente. Ooh, command box. <laughs> so he shared a, a blog post with a video about um, adding or well, passing parameters to command box custom commands. So this is kind of a, a sequel <clears throat> to his uh, little screencast he did the other day, which was how to create a, a module that had a custom command in command box. And then here he takes it kind of a step farther and starts building on top of it. Yep. So pretty cool little um, video. I watched that the other day too. Uh, and talks about different ways to pass them um, and how it adds, you know, you can add hints and whatever for tab completion. And yeah, help. he covered, he covered all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm enjoying his, his series. Um, I like, <clears throat> I like it when other people do series on stuff like that. Cause I think they have a little bit better perspective. I tend to always try to cover too much content if I had to do a similar series because, you know, to me, I built it all. I don't know how it works. So I'm like, oh yeah, here's all these advanced features. Um, but Matthew's been doing a great job of just like having the super basic, like, you know, building blocks that are easy to understand. So um, I've been loving that series. Yep. And then next up we have Ben Adel. And so it was Friday the 13th and he decided that it'd be a good time to work on uh, pixelating an image. And so, <laughs> as you can see in the little screen share here, uh, he's been working with um, different pixelation methods. So you see that he's got different um, pixel radiuses on his pixelation and goes through using the graphics magic and how you do that. So it's pretty cool. It's funny how, uh, yeah, once you blur it a little bit, um, Lucy does really look like a reindeer with those ears. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy's is, is dog. Is that the name of his dog? Yeah, Lucy. Lucy. Pretty sure it's I'd Lucy. like now to think he able... named it after Lucy server, but I doubt that's the case. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. It was more just a little fun task, you said. Um, but again, I'm enjoying <clears> the little <throat> series. Um, nice. Yep. The next one on the list, um, since last week we actually had International Women's Day, right? Mm -hmm. So us at Audis, we do employ several ladies, women, uh, however you'd like to announce them. But um, we basically had a blog post so you can meet the amazing woman who coded Auto Solutions. But not in person. 
coronavirus and all just online so should be safe but um yeah so we just we asked them a few questions and so we have several on our team so stephanie sonia and esme uh, are all um developers that work with auto solutions um and we have um paulina as well who's uh, actually wrote the blog post she's a, a marketing person that's helping us as well i actually did paulina interview herself no because she's not a coder so she only missed opportunity well, you, you have to be a coder like what you're not a coder you don't count well yeah like, it's one of I'm those things woman, though, you don't code no but we, we wanted to show that you know because we i think we talked about it last week brad about numbers and you know women versus men and, and different yeah i found a really interesting site that uh, you can search for different job categories and it had developer and it had ui ux kind of stuff and it give you a bunch of breakdowns of like nationalities and genders and like just really interesting stuff that showed the the breakdown in each uh deal uh, the design the design category did have a higher level of women it was more like it was up like 45 percent or something uh programmers was a lot lower it's more like 30 percent or something yeah and so interesting and yeah and that's it got me thinking about that too so but yeah i mean they're they're great and we're, we really enjoy having them on the team so yep very cool okay and then another blog post here benny dell and this one was pretty interesting because we're graphics about, magic yep um, it, but, is is the graphics magic guys are they like sponsoring Ben's series because they really should <laughs> <laughs> he, he's giving them a bunch of free advertising they need to need to pay him for it yep so this one's exploring <laughs> color histograms in graphics magic and lucy so it's kind of cool like lucy 529 yeah with uh, envision when you upload a picture you know a lot of times they'll make a color palette based on that picture and so um he thinks they use color thief to do this um but so the, he wanted to try it in graphics magic and see how it worked and so basically what it does it takes a picture and then using some some math and everything else um, some math well basically <laughs> it gets all the colors in the picture um and like then every color or just like the basic colors kind of rounded down well that's the thing is it gets i mean <clears throat> some of these colors are very much the same and oh, so, I see. yeah so, so it, it boils the picture down to like what you know 50 colors or something like the the major ones yeah and so um you know it talks about different ways to do it and like if you're creating cool. a palette it usually um something like this would basically say oh these are the main colors in the image which sometimes yeah, are too like close. if i was to paint that image those are like the basic colors i would need yeah and so he was talking about how you know a lot of the better tools actually look for differences between colors to look for you know if there's a pink like here you'd want to use the pink for sure even though the browns and blues are more prominent and so you'd actually set it up so it would look at the difference um and the cool thing is is that a lot of those other tools like you know color thief etc do that um he decided not to dive into the math to figure that out so he just did the basics of it oh but, come on ben dive in the math dive in the math so but it was pretty interesting looking through and like i said just i like just fo- sort of flo- following his flow of thought and you know and how he's going to approach the, the problem and and how to resolve it and everything um yeah and so basically uh it was fun he decided not to go down that math based rabbit hole as he put it um and you know so a lot of that you see a lot of interesting math and colors i mean even just like calculating differences between just like two you know hex color numbers or something is i've only barely touched it a few times and it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of fun yeah but complicated yeah for sure so it was pretty interesting so if you guys got some time on your hands uh look through those i always find them pretty interesting 
Next up on the Ben show. See, these blog posts were back to Lucy 529. I think yep. you're totally right. These are things he's playing around with Envision at work, which I think they're running 529, but his personal stuff at home, he was running 534. Yep. So in this one here, he's using subtraction to power to power the eraser comparator uh, comparison operator. Sorry, I blame the influenza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Blame the coronavirus. So yeah, so he was talking about while generating color histograms in Lucy, whatever, he had to sort the array colors based on their frequency within it. And so he used a sort operator that used subtraction. And so um, you know, talks about how the sort works. And that basically this works a lot the same way for a lot of languages, right? You know, um basically you pass in a, a function uh or items in the function and minus one means it should be sorted before value B, a zero means that they're the same, and a one means A should be after value B. And so you have the logic to figure things out. And so he works through it and, you know, takes takes strings and goes through the sorting algorithm and everything. So kind of interesting. I mean, you have to do this yourself uh, for a lot of languages, like JavaScript a lot of times you'll, you'll just sort them that way. But we do have some tools in ColdFusion that sort of save us some of the headaches and hassles, right? So we kind of get spoiled. What? Pro tip, avoid unnecessarily concise code. No, Ben. All closures must use as few characters as possible. It's, that's that's the Code Wars effect right there. It's like well, I mean, everything's code golf. Even if it's not, it's still code golf. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with this? I don't see anything wrong with this. Value dot sort parenthesis parenthesis a comma b parenthesis fat error a dot ling <laughs> less than a b dot ling. That's actually pretty. Uh, that doesn't bother me, at least now. When I when I, when I was first getting used to the fat arrow syntax, it confused the heck out of me because I was so used to all the like the nice curlies visually, you know, combining things. I was used to the function keyword. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm joking when I when I say everything has to be concise. I mean, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I like to have as, as little code as possible. But if I look at it and I can't read it, or my coworkers can't read it, then it's it was it's pretty pointless anyway. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like database normalization, right? You <laughs> normalize it till it hurts, and you back off a little. Yeah, pretty much. I think that same <laughs> works with Code Golf. Do it till it hurts to to look at, and like you say, use your coworkers as a good example. Hey, what does this mean? If they don't know, then either get new coworkers or refactor. <laughs> get new coworkers. <clears throat> I you know, I that. always, I always like the quote that says that uh, you have to be more, more clever to read code than to write code. So if you write code as cleverly as possible, you may not be able to read it yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Okay, so we have another blog post here from Charlie. Um, and here we have um, multiple upcoming CF webinars and past recordings as well. So we did go through a lot of these webinars. He mentioned that Adobe uh, Developer Week is upcoming, but they haven't um, put anything yet um, on that. So he also mentioned the CF Summit recordings that are on the YouTube playlist that we've mentioned several times. So they're in the show notes of previous accounts, and there's links here from this one. Then there's three upcoming Adobe webinars, which we mentioned. And also he mentioned that there's, uh, you know, other ones coming up here. And this is how you can find out more about Adobe's, but also non-Adobe CF oriented webinars. And then, so here we have the CB Elasticsearch one and we have the previous recordings here, Terratex YouTube videos, 
uh, Matt Clemente's series. Michael Bourne's got a series going on here. And then we've got John Farrar's one that we mentioned. Fusion Reactor's what we mentioned. So you got a pretty good list here. But he also mentions uh, Fusion Reactor Monitor has YouTube videos from previous live streams. Um, and they have a whole bunch of webinars there as well. CF Camp conference videos are free for attendees and fees for otherwise. And into the box conference videos, he says fee. Uh, <coughs> it is free for attendees too. So if you attended last year's, you can get those, um, you know, because they are free for attendees and there's a fee for non uh, for non attendees. Um, and so also he put it in here about other ways to keep up. Um, he says he do not does not plan to keep this list updated. And he gave us a plug if you want to keep it, uh, you know, up to date listen to the podcast or watch the podcast because we will try and keep you up to date as much as we can for all the bazillion webinars stuff in there yeah so it was nice to see a summary like that too so and of course would it be nice if i saw that before i did all the work to get everything ready so yeah right on but yep so thank you charlie for that as usual and you posted it to the cold fusion portal so a lot more people can see it than the people who listen to this podcast so next up, we have a, a blog post from some Brad Wood guy. Sounds like a jerk. Yeah. You know, those redheads. Um, yeah. So this is really just a, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A wrap up of what we've been talking about um, in the last couple podcasts, which is the addition of snapshot builds on Forgebox for Lucy, the addition uh, uh, of Lucy Lite versions, on ForgeBox, and when I say ForgeBox, that means you can start command box servers with them. <clears throat> and then the fact that it's all been automated, or as my blog post says, it's automated, baby. Um, <laughs> so yeah, all new Lucy versions, both full versions and Lucy Lite versions, automatically every day via automation fly, wing their way, wing their way over to ForgeBox, and you can use them immediately in command box. And so we've been talking about it in the podcast, but I just I, I typed up this post just to kind of put it all down in writing, to organize it, and just to show very clear examples. Um, for instance, you know, if you want to always run on the latest, latest bleeding edge of Lucy, I show you can say, you know, server start CF engine equals Lucy at BE for bleeding edge. And every time you start your server, you'll get the latest version of Lucy. Um, also, I have a little note in here about the minor differences between the version numbers that Lucy uses and the version numbers that Commandbox uses. Lucy uses a very common Java versioning format that's major.minor.patch.build. So four numbers with just periods between them. Uh, Commandbox and Forgebox use sort of the NPM flavored semantic versioning, which is major.minor.patch hyphen pre-release plus build, which it's the same basic information, but it's in a slightly different format. So if you want to start Lucy 5.3.4.77 in command box, you ask for 5.3.4 plus 77 because the build number has a plus. Anyway, so I have a, a couple little notes in there, but just to kind of spell out why and how we do our versions slightly differently and, and what you need to do. And of course, at the end of the day, just use tab completion because command box will tab complete all the version numbers on ForgeBox, uh, and you don't really have to, to remember any of it. But that's what that post is, just a big overview of all that stuff we've been doing and what it means and how to use it. Perfect. Cool. Okay, next on the list, we have um, generating color palette using Cold Fusion and Image Magic. So Ben Nadal was using Graphics Magic, and so James Merberg decided, after reading that, that he'd compare it with Image Magic. It's version. like the dueling magics. Yeah, so he talks about you know, the usage, the source code, 
Um, yeah, and so sort of talked about some of the differences here, which is pretty cool. So, and Ben nice. came came across here, you know, and actually tweeted. So they're having their own little conversation. So I thought we'd share that too, so you guys can follow along. So pretty nice. cool. And image magic is a tool that you and I have used. Isn't that yeah, correct? In the old days. In or the even, old days. Were they really that old though? I don't know. Well, were they good old days or just old old days? Not sure. So next on our list, we have cats. Finally, it's about <laughs> stinking time. Yeah, I need some cats in this pandemic, right? So Raymond <laughs> Camden, um, obviously been blogging a lot about view lately. He's got these view quick shots, which are pretty handy. But this one I thought was perfectly timed. Tips for giving remote presentations. Because hey. right now, we're going to be doing a lot more of those, right? That's the only kind of presentation that apparently exists right now. Yeah. So it's a cute cat, too. Um, but what he did timid. here... Yeah. So what he did is um, basically went through and actually got advice from a lot of really important people. So Brian Rinaldi, I a couple of those names as old Cold Fusion names too. Jim Looper, John Papa, Tracy Lee, uh, Chris Heilman. So there's a lot of really high up people giving a lot of advice on remote presentations. So a lot of it's very similar. So you can learn a few things from, from this post. And at the end, Ray actually gives his opinion too. He saves uh, the best for last. Yep. And so he basically says ditto to what they said, but this. And so he said that apparently using humor is not quite as uh, easy when you've got a crowd that you can't see. Well, you don't, and, you don't get the feedback loop. You know I mean? I told exactly. that I get that. That's why when we do our virtual trainings at Ordus, we ask that everybody has a webcam. Um, just because when you can't see people, you have like no clue if they've fallen asleep or not. It's, it's yeah. definitely a lot harder than when you're in a room with them. And typically online webinars, it's not an option to see the room. So yeah. I, I definitely understand what he's saying. Yeah. So um, also talked about like <laughs> Q&A too. A lot of times we ask people to hold the questions at the end or you have somebody else in the chat so they can, you know, gather the questions up and get them together for you at, at certain times to check in and because it's hard to do it at the same time you know so i usually recommend don't try and do that take times where you'll stop go check the questions and answer them um because it's definitely hard to present and keep an eye on the chat as you go probably like this you know this podcast falls apart when we try and do that so anyway so the next one i thought was pretty good so here Ben Nadell is saying, liver is exciting. It's reignited his love for cold fusion. So I was really intrigued by this because I'm not sure how, you know, eating different parts <laughs> of an animal or I guess person could <laughs> make you reignite your love for cold fusion. But apparently it autocorrected from Lucy to liver. And the funny thing is here, Lucy is still spelled wrong. <laughs> yeah, he still spelled Lucy wrong. So I wonder uh, if that autocorrected the right? way. So what are you going to do? Um, now, I don't know if most people know where the name Lucy came from. Um, I think most people probably know that Rilo was the name of a, a dog in a star, an alien dog in a Star Trek episode. Um, of course, it was spelled wrong. Uh, but anyway, Lucy, uh, Misha uh, Offner, the lead developer in Lucy and Rilo, always says you shouldn't put too much thought into a, into a product name. You should just pick something and just go with it. Um, so Lucy is, is a sort of a trifecta. He named it after the movie, the Scarlett Johansson movie, I think where the girl okay. has the drugs that get in her body. She uses like 100% of her brain. Uh, named after an, an ape, I believe, um, that maybe did sign language or something. There was some kind of like, you know, monkey ape thing that was named Lucy. <laughs> and then also there's a famous skeleton of like one of the earliest human remains that was named Lucy. So he combined those three together and then he spelled it differently purely so it would come to the top of Google. 
because if you if you Google Lucy spelled normal, you'll come up with everything else in the world. But L-U-C-E-E wasn't really the name of anything at the time. So he combined those three things that he liked, spelled it different, and boom, that was that was it. Lucy, that's where it came from. That's actually pretty smart, especially because you're talking about taking from like prehistoric skeletons to the point where we're like hyped up on drugs and we're really performant <laughs> and smart. We can control things with our mind. So I guess that's, yeah, where we're taking you from like ASP and PHP developers <laughs> through the cold fusion developers. Sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> okay, so next on the list, we have find a job. So find a job. We have one job this week, uh, full-time cold fusion developer at Downing Downers Grove, Illinois. That was posted on March 16th. And so... If you want to find out more, you can go to getcfmiljobs.com and find out a little more about that and look at other jobs. There's 28 job listings from 21 companies across 20 locations in five countries. How much you want to bet that remote work is, is has an uptick in popularity? Well, I know a lot of people have been uh, laid off lately and people looking for work on Twitter and everything. So remote work is an option. I mean, obviously, this mm -hmm. is going to affect a lot of people in a lot of places. There are, there's government support for those companies with less than 50 people, I believe. There's uh, all sorts of stuff out there. Oh, this one here, American Access Casualty Company. I know those guys. Hmm. Luis and I went out and did a cold box training with them. Very cool. So our plan is working. It's spreading like the virus. Cold box. <laughs> I don't know if that's an analogy we want to make. Box <laughs> products are like coronavirus. It spreads everywhere. Let's uh, not go there. Well, you already talked about dying. You know, the last living survivor, your family. <laughs> hey, I You're wasn't right. joking when I was talking about having the influenza A. I really do. I was just glad it wasn't Corona. Uh, mm, I'm glad as well. Okay, so Forge Box, Forge Box Module of the Week. What do we got, Gavin? So this is one I actually released. It's called the Command Box Stack Checker. And nice. so this is something, it's a command box task runner that I wrote that allows us to put into our builds, uh, build scripts. It does actually sort of follow, um, I guess the conventions that Audis uses when we're building things. So, uh, the, the Forgebox IO, um, page does talk about that, but I'm probably going to add some pull requests later to be able to, to change those conventions. But what it does is it basically has three different pieces of it. So we have a run local check function. So in your build process, before you build your image, we should, you should basically run this run local check. And so what it does is it runs the stack check function to verify and validate that the stack file in Portana versus the file in the repo and the environment variables in the .env example all match. Um, so the run local check basically checks your Docker compose file in your repo to make sure that it has all the environment variables that your .env.example has um, and vice versa. So if you added a .env variable um, to your site, but you forgot to put it in your Docker Compose, it's going to scream at you and tell you, ah, we need this variable and, and vice versa. So, nice. it, so the, the impetus for this was basically deployments that were getting out of sync, right? We'd yeah. update the stack, but only in one place to read out environment variables, but we wouldn't add them to production. Exactly. It's hard to keep track of them. Like you have to remember when this goes out, oh, I've got to go change that variable. I have to add a new variable. I have to remove a variable. And so the running the local check uh, checks it locally. So it checks your Docker compose file because we, in our repos, we have a build folder and inside there we have our compose file, which essentially we 
copied and pasted into a volcano, which we used to orchestrate our swarm. And so before we build the image, we'd always check that local file first. Then after you build the image, we run the check, the check remote stack. And so what it does is it uses Portana. So it logs into your Portana instance and pulls down your stack gets your stack file, which is like your compose file, and compares those two files. It does a diff on the files to see if there's anything different. And then also checks that that Docker compose that's inside Portana has all the environment variables you need. If it doesn't, then, or if it's different, then you probably need to put your stack. You need to actually update your stack file in Portana. And so there's a manual function that allows you to click a button and says put stack. And the put stack will actually connect to Portana via the API and upload your Docker Compose file from your local files into Portana and update the service. And so these three functions just help make sure that your Docker Compose and your repo and your Portana and all your environment variables are all matched up and synced. So it allows you to push them out in the right order. So pretty handy. Uh, we're, we're liking the use of it already. Um, the examples I, I used are uh, using GitLab, but they translate pretty well to most build processes there. Uh, it is Do using Portainer. Do you Portainer to use it? Um, well, without it, you could probably run the local check because it doesn't touch Portainer for that. Um, but the remote check and the putting the stack uses Portainer to deploy. But you could definitely use it for the around local check. And like I say, right now it assumes that you're, um, based on your environment, the file is in a certain place. Um, so we can make a, a pull request to update that, or I can update that later. So, but it's a little command box uh, helper. So in your build script, you can just basically install the module, uh, run it, uh, passing in your environment variables you need for, you know, your Portana username and password for the for the API call, etc., and it'll do it for you. So it's it's definitely a nice addition to it. Uh, we're we're enjoying it. It's pretty cool. So. I like it. Hopefully you guys do too. And let me just pull that up here just so you can see. I did try to document it. Luis was so proud. <laughs> so, so here Luis we have assumptions. Some documentation, man. Yeah. So this is the assumption of where your Docker compose for your environment will be. And we talked about how to uh, call this task runner. So you need the environment, the stack ID, which Portainer uses, and then the Portainer information here. So it tells you what all these are and what they mean and talks about the different methods. So usually this is the stages we have in our build. So we run our tests and then we should do the local stack check. Then we build the image and then we run the remote stack check and put it, if, uh, put the file if we need to. Then we deploy the image and then sometimes we'll do after deployment tests on staging and then we'll build all our artifacts and everything. So uh, we have the YAML file here. So give you an example of what you do. So you can see the build and then install it and then go back. So we usually build it in the in the build folder so that way it's not a dependency you'll actually deploy because we delete the build folder and so there's different states there so um yep so i'll go update those as well um but yeah working pretty nice so you guys should check it out okay so next on our list we have our vs code hints tips and tricks of the week and so this one is actually one called Bookmarks, and John Ferrara actually recommended this one. Um, what okay. the author? Oops. Pushed the wrong button. Almost had the outro. <laughs> um, Alessandro Fregani. Fregnani. Sounds um, good. Yeah. So basically, it allows you to bookmark your code. So um, what you can do is hmm. just 
tag your code uh, and it gives you all the, the ability to jump to previous, next, or list all from the files. And then you also have the ability to do a sidebar. So they have sidebars so in your- So do the bookmarks have names? How exactly are you bookmarking it? You just tag it. So it's kind of like a, uh, maybe a breakpoint you'd use, <clears throat> you know, a debugger. You'd, you know, you can set it in for a line number and then it shows the what's on that code as part of that. Um, and so you can just select the line, bookmark it, and then you have all the functions to navigate through them, etc. There's all these different settings, mm -hmm. but the sidebar is pretty cool because then you can see all the bookmarks for different things. So if you're working on a few different pieces and you jump around a lot, it just allows you to quickly jump between different parts of the code. So maybe it's not a function where you can use some of the functionality um, for, you know, jumping from function to function. Maybe it's just, you know, some bookmarks of certain pieces you need to fix. Uh, you know, we use to-dos for some of this stuff, um, which is kind of nice, but the bookmarks is kind of a nice way to, if you're in the middle of something, to be able to jump between them, especially when it shows the Explorer has the files and which bookmarks are in the files too. So interesting, pretty neat. And it has, um, I think almost, yeah, 749,770 installs, five stars. So pretty cool little ten out of ten would install. Yeah. There you go. Yep, very cool. Okay, so last on our list is our Patreon supporters. We got a, a good number of Patreon supporters here. So thank you everybody for supporting this podcast and making it possible and also supporting our other tools like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, etc. Um, hopefully, like I said, we're, we're trying to step up our Patreon support here. So if you guys are able to support us and all the things we do, uh, please go to patreon.com slash order solutions and find a package that works for you. So we'd appreciate all the help we can get there. As, as I said, Audis is funding a majority of this podcast still. Uh, we'd like to, you know, try and get the community behind it. If you guys are finding it valuable, please consider helping us out. So Brad. I think it's your turn to go through the names. It was my turn last time. It was my turn. Yeah, it's usually the way it is. <laughs> With well, you and Eric switching out, it's either like <clears throat> you guys do it and I never do it, or <laughs> yeah, or I do it all that. the time. Like draw straws. Yeah. All right. So big thanks to Andrew Davis, Brian White, Carl von Stetten, Dali, Dan Carr, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Didier Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick. Jeremy Adams, John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Laskma uh, Chirhadadi, uh, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hangen, Richard Herbert, Samuel Knowlton, Scott Steinbeck, VJ, and Yogesh Matthew. Thanks, okay. guys. Yeah, I'm going to look at one more thing because I think we just had another person subscribe. I thought we did, but I, I lose track of who we have. Yeah, I don't. I'm not an admin on the Patreon team, so I don't know, but. I think we had somebody. Hmm. New edition. Uh, Katie Holmes from Outlet Trade. So maybe that they're. Name an, sounds familiar, Katie Holmes. Yeah. So that's someone not on our list. So. Um, there you go. I just got that message while we're in the podcast. So. Twenty-one uh, patrons. Yeah. So we have an extra one now. So, thank you, everybody. Um, <laughs> Patreon says we're four thousand percent complete. Yeah, that's what I just saw too. And that confused <laughs> that's me. That's right. 
All right, guys, we don't need any more. We're four thousand percent complete. Thanks. I think it's forty percent complete because Katie would be the. There's got to be 40%. some math, some math problems going on here at Patreon today. Yeah, I think it's forty percent, not four thousand complete. So, so we're <laughs> and not it, it overfunded. Has a progress bar that's about forty percent of the way, but it says forty. I wonder if that's a Patreon bug, not an oldest bug. <laughs> I don't know. It might be a Patreon bug. Like someone left like a times 100 in the code, you know? Yeah, because you're Darn right. That does look 40% across. That is pretty crazy. I bet it is. I bet there's a calculation issue there because that bar <laughs> is definitely 40%. I'm actually inspecting the code right now. Was it JavaScript that does it? I'm just looking to see how they're, how it's calculated. Yeah, width is forty percent. Yes, so <laughs> Patreon has a bug. So, but we do, do appreciate we get, like, all a bug of bounty you. for this. I don't know. We should because that's pretty pretty bad. Now everybody looks like they're a hundred times over overfunded. <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad. Oh okay. my gosh! All right. Well. Well, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, you know. Try and survive. Stay indoors, apparently. Stay indoors. Survive your kids. Um, Actually, outdoors is supposed to be really good. I've heard UV rays kill most viruses as long as nobody else is outdoors with you or something. So. Yeah, within six feet where they could breathe and sneeze on you. Yeah. But actually, just before we go, because I found this interesting, because one of the companies I work with is a safety company. So we went through their safety training on Corona. And the, one of the things is, a lot of people using Clorox wipes to disinfect. Mm -hmm. But if you look on the packaging for Clorox wipes, the Clorox wipes are only effective against killing bacteria like the virus. If the, the, when you wipe, it stays visibly wet for four seconds. So if it evaporates faster than that, it did not oh, do really? the job. And so certain oh. wipes have a two second, but most Clorox wipes have to be visibly wet for four seconds for it to be actually working and doing its job oh wow so there's actually a list of um, um huh. disinfectants and their times and effectiveness and which ones should, are recommended etc available from the cdc but yeah so if you read the packaging on your I never stuff knew that was a thing that's hilarious neither so i thought i would share it uh, hopefully everybody doesn't freak out about it but i know that we had snow in the area last night and so all the trucks got stuck and so everybody freaked out a little <laughs> more <laughs> so Yep, good time. So everyone, uh, protect your toilet paper and have a great week. All right, bye-bye, guys. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.